Today we continue a study and I call it the right approach. Can you sit up with me please? Come on. I'm answering a question all year, one question, and the question is, how do you build a future? Sometimes you have a dream in your mind. I know I do. Things that I want for my life. And um, I took this um, test um, uh, that describes your personality and um, it's called Strength Finders. And one of, the, one of my fifth strengths, the fifth one is um, that I'm a futurist. That I think a lot about the future. And if you listen to me, it probably is true. They say my top one is positivity, that I'm real positive. Then it says I'm a learner, and then it says I'm an achiever, and then it says I'm, a, I'm a, um, a thinker guy. I like to learn stuff. I got two thinkers in there, intellectualism or something they call it, and then futurist. What's interesting is in this study, they say that normally when you marry somebody, your top five are your wife's bottom five and her top five are your bottom five. And so you end up having a lot of disagreements because you're not the same. Um, Diane is a great smart girl, but I like to tell her stuff I'm reading and she says, Temple, do me a favor, here, read me something so I can fall asleep, I'm tired. <laughs> That's an argument in my house, That's all right. <laughs> Why you say that, baby, trying to be funny. No, no, it's true, I fall right out, you know. <laughs> your books are so boring. But that's what makes us fitted. I don't need somebody like me. I need somebody that completes me. And uh, her strengths are her strengths. And I wanted today, though, to take a journey. And I want to focus on the future. I want to focus on what I believe will give you a better future. And I've, in the study, we started uh, in the first of the year, and I talked about the first thing you need to do is change the way you think. In order to build the right future, you have to build a new way of thinking. Secondly, this month, we talk about building a new approach. Can you say that again? Come on. Building a new approach. Next month, I'm going to take you on another journey, and I'm going to talk about building the right convictions. And then the next month, I'm going to take you, talk to you about building the right passions. There are things that I believe you can do that change everything about your life. And in this study today, uh, I want you to look with me at the book of Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Now what I promised you earlier was I was going to divide this into two sermons, but I changed my mind. This is going to be one sermon, and then we're going to start a new series next week. So I want you to, to look with me at Matthew 25, and it's one of, one of my, this is probably my favorite chapter in the Bible, one of my favorite chapters. The first part of it I love to talk about, the virgins, the foolish, and the wise. And we talked about that the last couple of weeks. Are you foolish? Are you wise? You, Diane did a great job last week, didn't she? Yeah. Come on, give her a big hand. She did a great job. And, and one of the things that I, I think is so, so powerful about this chapter is how practical it is. It's one you can put in your shoes and walk around and learn tremendous truth. The second part of Matthew 25, the, 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 which is called the parable of the stewards, is about a good steward and a bad steward. And I want to show you in one message today how they both relate. And so look at verse 14 of Matthew 25. Let me read it for you first. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now I want you to read that slow and, and, and be careful not to miss the key words. Verse 14 says, we're talking about the kingdom. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. We're talking about 
So when you talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the place that God rules. So if you're talking about the kingdom of Ricky or a place where Ricky ruled, you're talking about my house. This is how it is in my family. This is how we relate. This is, these are the guidelines. These are the things. And so this portion of scripture says, let me show you how the kingdom works. Now, there is, and it's a big word I'm about to use, and I don't like to use it, but it makes, it's a big word. It's a, you just learned a big word today. It's an eschatology. Eschatos is last, the study of last things. And so Revelations is a study of eschatology. Daniel has been parts of it, the studies of eschatology. There are parts in the Bible, prophecies, what you call it. There are things that talk about last day events. And this, believe it or not, has a lot of eschatology in it. Because he's talking about the kingdom and the people who come into the kingdom and the people who don't come into the kingdom. The people who go to heaven, the people who don't go to heaven. And he uses a parable to convey a truth. So he says, I want to teach you this truth, so I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to put the story right next to the truth. The truth is, I want you to understand that you are responsible for what you do. You are a steward. You've been given a, a life to manage. And how you manage it determines the outcome. And, and in the end of this parable, there are some pretty strong words he gives to people that don't manage well that choose to not respond and not listen to God's advice. So that's at the end. We'll get there in a minute. But let me show you, if I can, how he parallels this to money and daily life in a way that's just profound. Here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own, excuse me, the word servants. That means they work for him. This is a, these are employees. Uh, how they got paid, I don't know. Maybe by commission, however they got paid, but these were servants who worked for him. He had his own plan for them, but this was their job. Can you say with me, please? Come on. You can really say it if you try. Come on. This was their job. This was their job. So he says, and he delivered to them his goods. To them. He gave them money. He gave them measurements of money. Now in verse 15, to one, he gave five talents. Just think of it as a measurement of money. And then to another, he gave two talents. So the first guy gets the most, second guy gets two, and then, of course, the other guy, he gets one. Now, I don't know how you feel about getting less than everybody else, but that can be an emotional moment. But here's the basis that he used, according to their own ability. Each person was given the money based on his ability to manage. Now, notice this is a judgment call made by the leader, made by the boss, and it's fair. It's fair for your boss to say, you can manage this, you manage that. It's fair for the coach to say, you play center, you play guard. It's fair. It's not for you to choose the position based on your own sense of yourself. Now, you can do that if you own your own business, but if you work for the guy, then he gets to make the choice. Now, this is where you see an amazing thing unfold. You're going to see three things two good stewards did right, and then you're going to see one thing, three things that uh, the bad steward did wrong. You're going to see how they both responded. You got two guys who responded one way and one guy who responded another way. Notice verse with me, 16 in a moment. But before I go there, let me just ask the big question because I'm going to get ahead of myself here a little bit. Here's the big question for the day. Why should God trust you with the treasures that are important to him? Let me get you to argue with God for a moment and build a case that he should trust you with what's important to him. 
So why should you be trusted? What about you has proven the two guys obviously had done something that convinced him that they deserved the most. The one guy obviously did something that convinced him that he deserved the least. Doesn't mean you can't go up. One thing about the story, he's not saying you can't do better. He's giving them the opportunity to do better. And that's what some people miss on a job. You, know, okay, you, you may not make what you want to make, but you can, you can position yourself to do better. I love Jack Welch's answer to the question when someone said to him, what do you do when you don't get the promotion you want? He says, go back to that job and be incredible. Be incredible, be incredible. And, and I, there's something about understanding the power of having a good attitude in a bad moment. And so here this guy is, right? And these two guys, and I want you to watch with me what happens. And I want you to think about them and compare them to your life. So when I looked at this story, I compared them to my life. Okay, he gave them two talents. I asked myself, what did God give me? Well, he gave me a wife, children, church, membership, staff, homes, assets, I have some stuff I own, and some mentees that I oversee. I have some things that I'm responsible for. And so how I steward this is important. I have two services today. I have a membership class afterward. I have a single. I have four events today. How do I steward them? Did I prepare for them? So this is important because this is a measurement of my ability. How are you managing what you've been given? Is it better? What have you been given and asked to be responsible for? Now, watch verse 16 and watch these two guys and how they handle their stewardship, their responsibility. Then he who had received the five talents, he went and traded with them and made, what did he make? Another five talents. Verse 17. And likewise, he who had received two gained how many more? two more also okay so they have doubled what they did there are three things I want you to notice number one both men took action they went without outside supervision there was no statement in the text about anybody telling them what to do beyond what they were given instructions in the beginning no supervision how much supervision do you need how much supervision how much input do you have to have all the time I, I, I don't mind encouraging people. I don't mind inspiring people. But you know what I've learned? Some people think that's what I'm supposed to do for them all the time. That that's my assignment. My assignment is to somehow be the guy who kind of um, keep serving Jesus now, keep praying now, keep, no, no. What do you do without supervision? If you have homework, why does somebody have to tell you you have homework? Why does somebody have to tell you not to spend all your money? Why does somebody have to tell you to plant? Why? This is, these are two guys, no supervision, and they double what they have. Secondly, they traded or invested what they were given. He didn't tell them to do it. They obviously, was, they knew. It's like, okay, guys, I'm leaving this with you. And so they, number one, took action. Number two, they traded. And number three, they doubled the value of what they were given. Now, you've got to understand this in the context of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this. This is how I think. You want to know how I think? This is how I think. And I want you to listen to this incredible moment. He comes back to them later on and basically rewards them and says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
He's impressed with the way the two guys manage what they were given. If you read the rest of the text later on. But notice with me, for you the question is, if, if your world is your world better, the world that you've been given, is it improved since you've been running it? I, I'm impressed with these, these two guys. But it makes me think about, okay, so you got a wife, you got a house, you got a church, you got a member. Okay, is your world better or improving under your leadership, Ricky Temple? That's the question. If it's not improving, if it's not better, if there's no signs of movement, am I a good steward or a bad steward? Now look with me and notice three things the bad steward did. Three things the guy that was in charge did wrong. Watch verse 18. But he would receive one, went and dug in the ground, and what did he do? Hid his Lord's money. After a long time. Come on, say that with me, please. Come on. After a long time. The Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You know what fools a lot of us? Time. It fools young people. They really think they have forever. I cannot believe in a few months I will be 59. It's amazing. I'm cool with it. Can't do nothing about it. But it is shocking in your brain because 60 does not look like 30. I mean, you know, and, and people, people say it. You tell them you was born in 1958, they go, wow. <laughs> That's new. I mean, I, I, I understand. That, that's still young, and a lot of you who are, who are in my age bracket, you say, oh, please, get over it. But, but, but understand, there's something profound that happens in your life and in your mind when you look at your life and you go, wow, things have moved on, and time fools you. So because the Lord didn't come the first day, he didn't come back and check on the second day, the third day, the fifth day, the eighth day, because they didn't call you, because you didn't pay that bill the first week, second week, it's been a year now, you haven't paid them, you haven't called them, you haven't said anything, you think they forgot about it. No, they turned you over to collections. <laughs> and when you get that phone call, you, you have the shock look like, hello? Is your name? Yes, that's me. You know you owe us $452.92 from Sears, you never did pay back. And you go, really? Yeah, you're wearing it right now, it's your shoes. <laughs> you know you did it. But because it's been a long time, come on, say a long time, you tend, to, you tend to act like you don't understand that. So after a long time, the Lord of those servants came, and he settled accounts with them. Now, I want you to notice with me there are three things about this guy, the bad steward, that were different than the good steward. The first thing is, first of all, the guy was not progressive. He dug in the ground. He took, he took the guy's money and buried it in the ground. Amazing. And you can see him with the attitude, you know, digging in the ground. Hey, look, you know, I can't believe you gave me one talent. I'm going to bury this and, and, and then put a little stick in the ground. And then when you come back, I'll give you what you gave me. But what's really amazing is this is your job. Second thing that's impressive is he was not transparent. He hid it. No one knew where he buried it. He had this secrecy thing going on. I see that all the time. Thirdly, he was not changeable. Now, I changed the words in your notes a little bit. I put he was not progressive, he was not transparent, he was not changeable. Say that with me, please, come on. He was not progressive, he was not transparent, and he was not changeable. 
for a long time, he lived this way. And so his life stayed in one mindset, and he never, ever changed and became this incredibly stubborn guy. Not transparent, not open, difficult to deal with. Is that you? Now, if I'm honest, I've been that way. If I'm honest, I've not always been as transparent, as open. I'm trying hard to be now because I see the value of it. Good stewards tell the truth. I'm bad with money. I'm not good with money. Good stewards, good stewards see the power of investing properly. Bad stewards don't want anybody to tell them anything. They hide things. Nobody knows anything. That's why in your marriage a lot of times it's just such, such a tense time because no one knows anything. How could you be married and not know what each other makes? Why is, it, why is it like this? Why are you living in two different rooms, two different worlds? Why? Why? Go get counseling. Go settle the issues. Don't live like this. This is not healthy. This is not the way to steward your life, your family, your, your, your resources. This is not good. Can't you see that? Hmm. Well, let me show you four reasons that God rewards stewards. Four reasons why God rewards stewards. Verse 21. His Lord said to him, this is to the good people. People did it right. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over how many things? A few things. And I will make you ruler over many things. You were faithful over a few. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Now that's why I want you to notice this is the eschatological stuff, okay? This is about going into heaven. This is about being right with God. And these are great words. The words I want to hear when I get to heaven. But I also want you to understand there are words that you can hear now. There are four things I want you to notice about people who steward well and why they're rewarded. Number one, they're rewarded because they do things the right way. They do things the right way. They're called good people. He's a good steward. Secondly, they're faithful. There's something about being reliable. Thirdly, this is important, they pay attention to small things. You're faithful over a few things. It's the insignificant things. It's the little things that you do that make you special. And number four, they can be trusted with more. He says, for everyone who has more, more will be given, and he will, be, he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I want you to understand something. If you go back up to verse 21, read it slow. His Lord said to him, well done, good, faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over how many? Many things. Notice with me, they can be trusted with more, and so they get more. The illustration is pretty simple if you think about it. If I were to give you, no, you were to give me $10,000 of your money. Okay, this is your money, right? And then I, uh, and you give her 10000 you give him 10000 Now, I lose your money. Don't, don't shake your head too fast. <laughs> you didn't give me any money. Stay with me. <laughs> okay, but I lose your money. She doubles your money. She gets 20 Okay, you, now, now, they double your money. Now, think about when I come back again and it's time to give out more money, do you think I'll get $10,000 more of your money? Do you think that's a no? Just flat out, no mercy, that's down, bam, no more. See, Notice how clear that is. 
And it's because you would say I was a what? Bad steward, right? But what if I'm sorry? She's not changing, okay? She's, you're not changing either. I can't, I'm not, you, you, this is in the family, okay? Just no, no money. See, this whole front row is over. See, that, that, that to me is clear. A church can be a good steward or a bad steward. When I came here, the church had $22,000 in income a year. Now, that should not still be true. And it's not, praise God. And out of that, my salary had to come. Oh, now you're really moaning for me, aren't you? You're really feeling the pain. You're feeling the joy. So I want you to think about that. See, that's, that's all inclusive. And then that summer, it went down. So how far down can you go, Pastor Rick? But I want you to understand, that's the difference. So if you go from 22,000, they're taking in over 52 million over the time, then you go, okay, now that's decent stewardship. At least you ought to say amen to that. Come on. Come on. Come on, do better than that. Come on, do better than that. Here, here's, here's the point I'm making. If, there, if, there is, if there's going to be a fair judgment of your performance. There has to be some honest measurement. And you have to look at your life and say, okay, what have I done? Not perfect, can improve on a number of things, but what have I done? And, and what, how willing am I to be honest about stewardship? How willing am I to say, okay, over the next 10 years, where should it be? Over the next 20 years? This is a profound example of why God gives you more. So if you don't get more, you might want to pause and say, okay, so let's have a conversation, Father. Am I not stewarding what you already gave me? Let's, let me not ask you for anything else for a minute. Let's have a freeze on asking, okay? And let's ask the simple question, can God trust me with the things that are important to him? Your $10,000, you got that right away, even though we were just playing here. But, you know, right away, you know, no, you're not getting a dime, Pastor Ricky. That's over. And that's, that's not a put down. That's because I proved to her and to him that I was not worthy of their money. I need to pause. Steward this marriage. Steward this church. Steward this size congregation. What, what, what makes you think I'm going to be a better steward with another thousand people if I don't steward this congregation well? Amen. There's something about understanding how to take care of the 30 members you've got, the 50 members you have. If you've, everybody runs into challenges, everybody runs into issues, and that's okay. But you, you, look, you know what I've learned? You learn from those mistakes. You learn from being overgenerous. You learn from, from, from not always doing it exactly right. And I think that God understands that. God never, listen, God never was frustrated because they weren't perfect. The issue was he was not open. He was not progressive. He was not transparent. He was not changeable. That's the problem. Don't let that be you. Be, do it right. Be faithful. Pay attention to the small things. If you do that, you can be trusted with more. But here's a principle in verse 29. You ready? This is, a, this is a tough principle. For everyone who has, more will be given. 
The next time this family wanted to give out money, they would look for those two people. They wouldn't look for me. Because their thought would be, hey, we lost money. We lost money. Right? You know, these people helped us double our money. And he will have abundance. To everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has, the one talent that the guy had, he took it and gave it to the guy that had the five talents. Why? Because he knew that the guy with the five talents could surely handle one more. I read this and I think, man, that speaks to me. So I close with four reasons why bad stewards are not rewarded. You ready? Here's the reasons why. And you might just pause and think about this. Number one, they have issues that they ignore. They have issues that they ignore. Here's, here's this dialogue between the bad steward and the Lord that's really fascinating. Verse 24, then he would receive the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew. Now, I want you to listen to this now. I knew you to be hard be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Listen, um, I knew you people were really unfair wanting me to double your money while you go on vacation to Disney World for a month. And then you come back expecting me to have doubled your money. Now, what I'm going to do is give you back what you gave me. You see what I'm saying? And you're sitting there thinking, First of all, do you work for me? This is a, you know, this is a hard conversation, okay? And, and I knew, I know you. I know you two people. You're hard people. Now you, okay, this is really, oh, this is okay. So now all of a sudden, we got a special conversation. Now, if you ever been a supervisor or a boss, you've had those special conversations. Uh, so you're late to work. Okay, now it's my fault that I'm asking you why you're late to work. You come in with an attitude. But well, the devil got in my car. Really? <laughs> you should have called a cab, you know, because you got to be here on time. You know, and the devil must catch you at least three times a week. <laughs> so this is a conversation. And, and then you kind of cover it in verse 25. I was afraid. Oh, really? Okay, fear is scared. Okay. So I hid your talent in the ground. Now watch this. Verse 26. If you want to see... How the kingdom thinks. Remember, for the kingdom of heaven is like this, right? Here's how the kingdom thinks about people who act that way. You are wicked. You are lazy. That's strong, isn't it? You wicked, lazy servant. Staff person. You wicked, wicked. That's a strong word, wicked. Then he says, okay, since you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Since you knew that, then you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. At least I would have had the interest on the money if you at least put it in, in a place where you could have made interest, but you didn't even do that. So then, verse 28 says, Take the talent from him, the good steward, and give it to him who has ten talents, and... Cast, this is hard, the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There's, the outer, there's that eschatology stuff. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Somebody said, well, what does all that mean? Nothing you want to be any part of. 
Four lessons you learn from that. Number one, they have issues they ignore. That's why bad stewards don't get rewarded. Look, I'm going to do a series called Save, Sanctify with Issues. I'm going to do a whole series on why God, godly people have issues. Why they fornicate, why they sleep together, why they do things they shouldn't do, why they do drugs. Some of you save, sanctify, but you as high as a kite. Go to church, read the Bible. You, and that may confuse some of you. And some of you are on prescription drugs more than you should be. I mean, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things you're doing. Nobody knows. It's okay. Look straight, God. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Everybody say issues. issues. You can have issues. If you don't believe it, read 1 Corinthians. He wrote to the church of Corinth. Issues. Come on, say it again. Issues. People have issues. And I'll talk to you about how. Paul said, you know, you can be saved and have issues. You may not like it, but it's true. Romans 7, Paul said, I desire to do good, but he was always in front of me. It's always knocking on your door. Always knocking on your door. I, was, I, I, I can tell you right now, there's so many moments in my life when I could have swayed. I mean, I, could, I think about them sometimes. Ooh, I was so close. Ooh, I was so close, so close, so close, just so close. I remember one girl I saw in class. I said, I said, Jesus, if she date me, I'm going to backslide tomorrow. Yes, I did. I shouldn't say that, publicly, but it's the truth. I'm glad she did, praise God. <laughs> Ooh, he almost didn't make it, didn't he? I'm telling you. At least I'm honest. I'm transparent. You ain't going to never tell the truth. You ain't going to tell nobody what I just told you. But if I put your sins up on the board, come on. Come on, if I put it up there, what about you and your struggle? Yeah, I had a few struggles. I was, when I got saved, I was 17, man, all the fires were burning. Phew! I was 15 when I got saved, but the five, 14, but this man, by 17, it was, hey, firecrackers everywhere. It was hot. And I, I'm telling you, I almost missed Diane. I was seeing somebody before Diane, and they were trying to get me to come back. And I said, oh, no. The Lord said, don't go over there. Don't go over there. One, one visit, your last try. One visit. <laughs> go back over there if you want to. <laughs> go over there. Don't go back. Don't go back. You know, some of you need to say, I can't go back. Text them. I can't come. In Jesus' name. Don't answer the door. Look out. Get a sign. Scared. No. Can't come outside. Do something. Tell the truth. That I'm too scared. I can't control myself. I don't know what I'm going to do or say. I don't know. I won't remember any Bible verses. They come out of my mind. Just can't think of a verse. Don't know what to say. Don't try to witness to them. Let somebody else bring them to Jesus. That's not your assignment. Amen. Say, tell the truth. Come on. Truth. You got to be a good steward. I'm telling you. You'd you you be surprised. Well, let me get on here. <laughs> so they had, they had issues. Number two, here's, here's why, why bad stewards are not rewarded because they don't do the minimum. Okay, okay, look. Why don't you walk 20 minutes a day? Or try? Why don't you at least try to eat right decent? Why aren't you trying? Trying, just trying. I'm telling you, I'm realizing something. Now, I'm, I'm serious about this 60 thing. You know, I can, you know, you start breaking down. Here you go. <laughs> can't bend down, can't lift your leg up. Stuff's not happening, can't be mobile. I said, you know what? Oh, no, in Jesus' name. I haven't down rolled me around too much now. It's okay if something happened, I have to be rolled. I'm not against that. If, you know, but I'm just saying, I don't want it to be because I ate myself there. <laughs> Father, bless this in Jesus' name. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Number three. <laughs> Here's why 
Bad stewards are not rewarded. They can't be trusted to do what good stewards do. It's bad to not be trusted. Man, to not be trusted. The guy looked at this guy with the one steward and said, I can't give you what I give them. I can't give you that. If I give you that, it will hurt you. I can't give you that kind of money. I can't give you that kind of attention. I can't give you that kind of... I can't, I can't give you that. You're praying for something I can't give you. If I give it to you, you, you won't do right. It will harm you. You get that with your kids at 13. Can I have the car? No. Not yet. Why? I'm mature. Yeah, but you're not getting the car. Yeah, and there's a reason why. The fear is you're not at the age where you can steward that responsibility. And I never forget when I was teaching Ricky how to drive, you know, and he was, he was so funny. He was, first of all, I was scared. I didn't, I didn't, you know, if he's watching, cut, cut, cut the thing off, Ricky. I'm, I'm going to talk about you. But anyway, the, the, it, it, you know, he, Diane, I was, I was um, Diane came to the car. And she came in the sanctuary. She says, I was in the sanctuary doing something, and she says, she says it's, I got to take Ricky to get his learner's permit. I said, Learn, drive, like a driving something? <laughs> she said, yeah, he's 15 and a half. He's time to drive. Like my car? I mean, really, I had a moment. It was really, I don't know why I didn't realize. And, and I remember when he, when he got in the car and we were driving, and, his, and he was, you know, you're supposed to stop at the stop sign. And so he didn't stop. He said, well, nobody was dead, Daddy. I said, no, that's not the point. No, no, no. You don't understand. That's not the point, dude. Okay, no, somebody will be there one day. Okay, you got to stop, man. You know, he's a great driver now, but, but then he was learning. And, and, and it, you had to make connect the dots. Bad stewards don't connect the dots. That's why God can't reward you because you're not connecting the dots. You have diabetes. Your blood sugar, 6.5, could get you into the diabetes, right? The, the, your A1C. And so yours is 9.5. But you got the biggest cake in front of you ever. And you're praying over it. Father, bless this cake in Jesus' name. Pardon? You don't check your blood sugar. Oh, I'm in your land now, right? You don't check your blood pressure. You don't take your pill. You take it every now and then. In the name of Jesus, eeny, meeny, mighty, mo. Here's the day. There I go. And, and now you're wondering, oh, oh, I feel it. Oh, oh, God, oh, God, what is that? It's a heart attack. You can't tell. You need to take your pills. God gave you those pills so you can live. Take them in Jesus' name. Come on, people. What about healing? Well, take it. Pray for healing. Let the doctor confirm it. Then get off of it. Kill yourself. One more. Here you go. I'm done. I'm done. I'm almost free. They're unprofitable. That's why he can't reward them. There is no profit. See, that's what you saw with me. No profit. Pastor, I love you, but no, man. You can't get another 10,000. No, can't lose that again now. Are you unprofitable? Why should he? Why should he? Remember the start of this? Why should God trust you with the treasures that are important to him? Why? Because, look at me, look at Pastor, come on, hang with me, hang with me, hang with me. You don't have the same convictions that he has. Here's what you've got to do. Get in your car, this is true, oh God, I mean this with love. Look around in your car when you get in, it's right outside, okay? This is your conviction. 
stuff all over the season, stuff, food back from last week. This is, this is your conviction. Don't get down. I'm not putting you down. This is your conviction. You go home, honest, and I know you can be busy. I'm like, I get it. Oh, Jesus, I know busy. I got, I'm working on some cleanup, some stuff. I got some closets I'm working on. So I'm not picking on anybody, okay? But when you go home and you're doing this all the time and you're over, you know what I'm saying? And everything is like this, you know what I'm saying? That's your conviction. You know what I'm saying? That's your conviction. You understand what I'm saying? That's how you live. You understand? That's your conviction. That's how you think. That's, you got to be honest. You think that's terrible. That's how you think. Until you can say, that's how I think. There's no hope. Oh, Jesus, please help him get what I'm saying. Do you hear my heart today? Do you hear me today? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? This is, this is, when, this is why next week I'm going to talk about convictions for four weeks. I'm going to show you that your convictions change everything. Father, I thank you for the service. Bless your people. Help us to see the truth. Help us to see ourselves. Help us, Lord God, to see why you can't get us to where we want to be. We're trying to build a future, but Lord God, our approach is wrong. The stewards we studied today had the wrong approach, one of them. Two of them had a right approach. Help us, oh God, today. Help us, oh God, today. See ourselves. Help us gather our lives. Help us to begin to gather ourselves Begin to focus on the truth about ourselves. Help us, Lord God, to see where we've gone wrong. Some things, Lord God, is just not possible the way we think. I pray, God, that your spirit would anoint and touch us today. Help us pull ourselves together. Help us to gather our lives under the word of God and say, what's the truth about me? What does God want to do in me that he's not able to do because of my convictions? He loves me, but he won't force me. He won't force me to change the way I function in my daily life. And so I pray your blessing upon this time. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the moment. Father, I pray for people who don't know you never given their life to Jesus, both here and home. Let this be a breakthrough moment for them. A moment of healing and grace and deliverance and strength. Oh God, in your name, let this be the moment when they say, Lord, I need you in my life. You gave me this life. I want to trust you with it. I pray your blessing. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray God that you would strengthen and heal and let this be that transforming moment that they give their lives to you. In Jesus' name. And also pray for those who need a place to be, a membership place, a land to land. Lord, let, this, let them make, Lord God, a move either here or someplace where they can lock in and be a part. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you learn something today? Come on, did it really help you? I hope so.